The book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 45 and 48. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. Practically, in these last times, these words sound sharper. If we don't become sons of our Father in heaven, we will perish. Perhaps someone will say, well, are we not sons of our Heavenly Father? But here it is written that you may be so. In order to be the sons of our Father who is in heaven, it is is necessary to have our Son rise on the evil and on the good just as God does. It is necessary to send our rain to be poured out on the just and the unjust as our Heavenly Father does. Because God, with His Son, when He shines on the righteous, He warms them. He warms them from the scorching heat of sin and gives them eternal life. When He shines with the same sun on the unjust, He scorches them with His incinerating anger, and they reap that which they have sown. He commands His clouds for them to pour out this water for favor and for punishment. Favor for the righteous, He sends His rain on time and in measure, and on the, to the unjust, He sends this rain not on time and not in measure. And some cities dry out from thirst for water, and others are flooded. They drown in these waters. God also does this in the spiritual realm. And in order to be the son of the Heavenly Father, it is necessary, irregardless of the fact that we are old or young, men or women, we must proclaim the faith of God that is hidden in our heart. And this means to be the son of our Heavenly Father. When we proclaim or confess our faith, and confession is the word, it is the seed, it is the male function, we fertilize ourselves with this seed inside our spirit. And therefore, when we accept the Word of God, irregardless of the fact that we are male or female, we fulfill the function of a female. God created male and female according to His image and likeness. He has not made it so, so that one is less or lower than another. Male and female, in the eyes of God, are equal They are in the likeness of God, and He gave them the name mankind. And therefore, when Scripture turns to the sons of God, it almost turns everywhere to the sons of God. Rarely does the Word call us all males and females, the daughters of Zion. It primarily calls us sons and brothers, sons. Why? Why does it use these terms? Because if we do not proclaim the faith of our heart, then we are not the sons of God. But here we must proclaim the faith of God in accordance to Scripture so that this could be the just judgment, first and foremost for ourselves, to conduct this judgment in our body, to destroy the enemy, the old man, and outside of our body. And so, this is a commandment, a great commandment, and it is the inheritance of the saints of all time and generations. And it is addressed by Christ only to His disciples. 
Therefore, those who do not accept the authority of the person sent by God have no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment. So the person sent by God is the apostle and is the one that has been sent. They may read these words, but God is going to impute them it to them as of idle words and his anger will pour out when people proclaim that which they do not understand and that which is not in their heart in a connection with the fulfillment of the commandment to be vigilant over the word of god in our heart as god is vigilant over the word spoken by him we stopped at the purpose of the righteousness of god in the heart of man because god when god sends his word he doesn't just send it out into emptiness he has a specific addressee just like when you write a letter you write an address on it where you are sending your letter in the same manner god when he sends his word he writes an address where this word needs to end up and he sends it in our body in the temple of our body it is meant for the temple of our body because god is vigilant over his word only in the temple of our body and not just in general, abstractly, somewhere, somehow. Therefore, we have stopped to study the following question. What specific goals is the righteousness of God, which we are called to collaborate with in our hearts, called to pursue, and in particular on the fact that the purpose of the righteousness of God in our heart, accepted by us in the broken tablets of testimony in which we, in the death of the Lord Jesus, with the law, die to the law, so that in the new tablets of testimony signifying the resurrection of Christ, we could receive justification in order to live for the one who died and rose, so that in this manner we could receive the affirmation of our salvation in the new tablets that signify the resurrection of Christ in order to give God the basis to give us the promise to be an heir of peace, not through the former law, but through righteousness of faith, just as he had given it to Abraham and his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of peace was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Romans 4.13 Therefore, I will turn back a little bit. So, to gain affirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of testimony. Because in the broken tablets of testimony, we do not give gain salvation. We lose salvation. We had it, and then we lost it. And we gain it in the new tablets of testimony that signify the resurrection of Christ. This was an image so that we can understand. And therefore, the covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior of prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God in the words of the messenger of God. The faith of God is information that comes from the preached word of God. Faith is from hearing the word of God. It is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It is not some kind of guess. It's not some kind of interpretation. It is the specific preached word that you hear. This is the faith of God. And when you accept, if you have the function of a female, if you have an excel that is capable to be fertilized by the seed of the word of God, when we do have this, when both males and females have this, then the faith of God appears in our heart. It fertilizes us through our very words. When the preacher preaches, then this word cannot on its own fertilize our hearts. We need our lips to do this. When we hear the word, we must say, Lord, let it be to me according to your word. As soon as you take this word and you say, let it be to me according to your word in this very moment, fertilization occurs. 
when the angel Gabriel said to Mary that she is going to give birth to a son, she said, well, how will this be if I have not known my husband before? And the angel of the Lord said to her, the power of the Most High will cover you, and he who is born of you will be holy. He will be called holy because he is going to be born from the word, not from the seed of the husband, but from the seed of the word. And Mary said, let it be to me according to your word. And when she said, let it be to me according to your word, this was the moment of the conception of the Son of God as the Son of Man. In this moment, she was impregnated. We also are impregnated by the fruit. When we hear the seed of the word and when we say, let it be to me according to your word, O Lord, immediately this fertilizes our heart and then we begin to proclaim the faith of our heart, that which is already there. And these are no longer idle words. Behind this word stands God. He is vigilant over this word. And we also must be vigilant over this word in our prayers. And so in our time, we already looked at what criteria with what criteria scripture defines the covenant of God with us or according to what sign should we test ourselves to see if we have the reign of the peace of God in our heart which identifies us as a sons of peace and as holy unto God because we know that the covenant of peace in the heart of a person is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God in the words of the messenger of God and we've paid attention that to test our hearts for the subject of the reigning peace of God in it should be done by the ability to be a peacemaker which characterizes us as sons of God as written blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God Matthew 5 9 this word blessed blissful blissfulness blessing that's why sometimes I've heard that people mock this word, false charismatics, false charismatic preachers, uh, this word bliss or blessedness, they mock it. But this is an old Slavic word that means blessed, blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God and to them belongs the earth. Those people that have peace, they will inherit the land. They will inherit their body their imperishable body because under the land we always refer to the imperishable body six signs according to which we could judge of our partaking to the sons of peace were already the subject of our study and we have stopped to study the seventh one this is by our ability to clothe our essence into the holy or selective love of god agape but above all these things put on love we are talking about the love of god agape which is the bond of perfection because Love in this world does not have perfection. Despite the fact that there is love toward one another, males towards females, there is love towards animals, towards horses, towards dogs, towards cats, which today are placed on the scales higher than human love. And in Western countries, there are already laws that have been taking place. There are stricter laws in relation to animals than people. If you kill a person and you kill an animal, then for the killing of an animal, you will get a higher term in prison than for the murder of a person. There are different kinds of loves, but here we are talking not about human love, but God's love. 
and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So the peace of God, which God had made with Abraham, cannot reign in our heart if we do not clothe ourselves into the selective love of God. Selective means holy, because the love of God it separates what is holy from unholy, what is pure from what is impure. And it deals only with that person that is in the likeness of it. God does not love the world. He despises the world. This is so that we understand. God despises the world. Because it says, how you will ask, well, how? It says, for God so loved the world. No, it says, God loved the saints in this world. This was an incorrect initial translation. For God so loved every believer in this world that that he gave his son so that whoever believes him shall not perish but have eternal life John 3.16 this is the exact translation as it should be and the translators that they mis translated mistakenly they wrote for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life how did he love this world if he saves only those that believe when Apostle Paul writes about the church to the Ephesians, he says, Christ gave himself for his church. Pay attention, not for the world, for his church. In order to wash her with through the words that she can be holy and blameless before him in love. And when the angel came to Zacharias, we know that he said, your son is going to be a prophet of the Most High and he is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And when the angel came to the Father, the Father of Jesus Christ, although he was not quite the Father, but Scripture says that he was the Father, he disciplined him, he disciplined Joseph, he said to him, he is going to deliver his people from their sins. He did not come to deliver the world from their sins. He came to deliver His own, to save His own children. He's not going to save the children of devil. When the scribes and the Pharisees, when they fought, when they resisted Jesus, He said to them, Why can you not hear Me? You cannot. You don't understand Me because you cannot hear Me. The reason being, is that you were the children of the devil. He said this to the religious elite, to the descendants of Abraham. He says, no, Abraham did not do this. You are not descendants of Abraham. He said, Abraham did not do as you do. If you were the children of Abraham, you would not have crucified me. You crucify me every single day when you resist the truth, when you say, well, I don't understand it in this way. I have my own head. I have my own Bible. In doing so, you crucify me. You do not acknowledge my order that the Church of Christ has one head, and this is Christ, which is represented by prophets, apostles, teachers, pastors. They represent Him, and each of us is called to represent Him through our fulfillment of the commandments. When we take off the old man, and when we are clothed into the new man, then we become a light to the world. But until we take off our old man, we cannot be a light. Therefore, if we do not clothe ourselves in God's love, if we do not proclaim the faith of God, the, our, the faith of our heart, what is the love of God? It is the reigning teaching sealed in our hearts, and when we proclaim it in the promise, 
promises that contain us, considering ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, calling the inexistent power of imperishability in our body as existent, then in doing so, we become a light. And then the peace of God can dwell in us because we proclaim the love of God, we are clothed in this love. And we have noted that in Scripture, God's holy or selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the light of seven unearthly dignities and, and properties through the preached word of the apostles and prophets given by God, which according to their nature are the unchanging properties of our Heavenly Father. This is virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and love, but not in that understanding that others understand it. This virtue is supernatural, and this knowledge is not the one that we can discern or find it in any dictionaries of this world. Well, to have knowledge is just to discern, to make some kind of decision, to bring it to life. No, it's not to decide on something. In the virtue of God, we see the wisdom of God. Understanding is the wisdom of God, and knowledge can call things as they are. Today, People call this black, and tomorrow they will call it white. Take a look at how quickly Democrats change their garments. Yesterday, they yelled about the freedom of the word, freedom of speech, freedom of liberty. Of uh, Today, this doesn't exist among the Democrats. They will arrest your um, what you have if you're not in solidarity with their values that are comprised of the destruction of mankind as a person, mankind as a figure, the destruction of a gender. If you call something it, you are destroying a person. He no longer has an origin, no longer has a mother, father. A father gave birth to a son and not daughter, but he transformed himself. That's what they teach. That's what these Democrats teach. And the most rightful that a majority of churches are Democrats because they have a democratic structure. They, in the same manner, select by way of democratic vote who they want as their head. But if they can't do this, then they apply dictatorship. Because behind democracy is strong and stiff dictatorship of the fallen cherub. Knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness. In a certain format, out of these characteristics of virtue, which in their bond define in our heart the goodness of our Heavenly Father, we have already looked at six characteristics that we are called to show in our faith, and we have stopped to study the seventh one. This is to show in our faith the love of God, agape, which comes from brotherly love, from which it follows that this kind of love should be shown not to the world and not for the world, but those whom God loves in Christ Jesus, as it is written, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her. Scripture says, do not love the world nor that which is in this world. Do not love the world and that which is in this world. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. To love the world means to love the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Therefore, here we are talking about the love of God that we ought to show not to the world, but toward one another, toward those whom God has loved in Christ Jesus. Christ has loved His church, 
and gave himself up for her in order to sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish and we should also remember that each of the seven properties which yield the nature of the heart of our heavenly father first they contain the properties of all the other virtues because they flow from one another, fill one another, strengthen one another, and are found in one another. And they verify the authenticity of one another. Second, these virtues are the moral perfections that are inherent to the essence of God, of which it is said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. In order to be perfect, it is necessary for us to have the characteristics that we had just listed. Third, these virtues are the great and precious promises given to us through Christ. This is a promise. Main promise is for us to have the character of the heart of our Heavenly Father. For these virtues are the imperishable riches and treasure that we are called to become enriched with. As it is writ written in Second Peter, uh, fifth, to, we can enter into these virtues only through accepting the power of the Holy Spirit, not the acceptance of baptism in the Holy Spirit, but the acceptance of the Holy Spirit Himself. There's a difference between when the Holy Spirit gives us something, some kind of gift. Baptism is a gift that the Holy Spirit gives us, and when He Himself comes, there's a difference. When we accept Him Himself. We can accept the Holy Spirit as a guest and we can accept Him as Lord and Ruler. The brother of Rebecca, he accepted the Holy Spirit, Eleazar Howe, who was an image of the Holy Spirit, as a guest. Come, blessed one, we have something to eat for your livestock. How long was Eleazar there? Only one night. They wanted to hold him for longer and he said, No, I have come here for Rebecca. But let us ask the girl, will she go? And they called her over. Will you go with this person? She said, I will go. That's astonishing. Imagine the most beautiful woman of the East at that time. If there was a competition of the most beautiful woman, Rebecca would have been the most beautiful. She would have won the prize. Because of her in the future, when she was 50, 60 years old, kings looked upon her beauty. Kings of the Canaan land looked upon her. But she was 15, 16 at that time when Eliezer had come. Eastern girls at that time matured quicker. And she didn't know this person. He, Isaac was 40 years old. And she says, I will follow. I will follow the person I have never seen. This was the, the direction of God. Who led her there? Who came for her? The Holy Spirit. She accepted and acknowledged the authority of the Holy Spirit over herself. And in this manner, she died to her nation and to the house of her father and to her own soul in order to come and go follow the Holy Spirit to Jesus, in order to follow after the Holy Spirit, in order to gain the imperishable body. We ought to die to our nation, to the house of our father, and to our corrupt desires. Six, the means that we are called to use to accept the power of the Holy Spirit is the prayer of faith that is built 
out of the trust that is hidden in the heart. Seventh, by inheriting these great and precious promises, we literally are made partakers of God's essence. We become so as our Heavenly Father is. As much as God has allowed us, based on the measure of our faith, we have already looked at the characteristics of six virtues and have stopped to study the seventh. This is to show in our faith the love of God agape, which comes from brotherly love, which is the reigning crown of the virtue of God. From which we can conclude that the love of God agape is a love that is virtuous, knowledgeable, self-controlled, patient, godly, and full of brotherly love. Because of which, we began to look at the love of God specifically in the context or format of these supernatural dignities that are called to bring us to the fullness of the measure of Christ or to make us perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Studying the virtues of God's love and these characteristics, we came to the conclusion that these are the eternal characteristics of God Himself, as well as all that which comes from God, because God is love. And this love that comes from the goodness of God is defined by Scripture as the bond of all perfection, as we read. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, Colossians 3.14. So, firstly, firstly, take the garments of love and clothe yourselves in these garments. It is impossible to clothe yourselves in the garments of love until we take off the garments of hatred, the hatred, uh, the garments of envy, because all of us are clothed in the garments of reigning sin of the old man. We ought to take off the old man, and only then can we be clothed in love. Apostle Paul writes about this in other places of Scripture, that we cannot be clothed into the love of God if we have not already taken off the old man with his works, reigning sin. And based on the fact that we already looked at the essence of God's love agape that flows from brotherly love, which we are called to show in our faith, we decided to bring to memory only one question. According to what signs should we test ourselves that we are showing in our faith the love of God agape, which comes from brotherly love? Two signs according to which we should test ourselves that we are showing the love of God in our faith that comes from brotherly love that is according to our ability to love all of that and all of those whom God loves in seven components and to hate all of that and all of those whom God hates in seven components. We brought up seven components of that which God hates and seven components of that which God loves. And the second sign is according to the presence of our expression of this love in 14 unearthly properties of the fruit of righteousness that is grown by us in the Eden of our good heart. And the most astonishing is that these 14 properties of the fruit of righteousness are dissolved in one another, come from one another, fulfill one another, balance one another, and identify the authenticity of one another before God. And we have noted that these properties are inherent only in relations of saints with one another and have no relation to relations with wicked and lawless people who uphold the wicked and that have filled the church of Christ with themselves. The third sign according to which we should test that we are showing in our faith 
the love of God that flows from brotherly love should be tested by our observance of the commandments of Christ. John 14, 21 He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And manifest myself to him. Under this manifestation, I will manifest myself to him. This is referring to the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Because Christ reveals himself in this promise. When we accept this promise and when we grow it, he says, I will manifest myself to him. When we heard about this promise, God was revealed to us. Jesus was revealed. He says, I will manifest or reveal myself to him. Those that were deaf because they inclined their ear away from hearing the word of God and those that are strained by their good deeds thinking that by way of evangelism, by way of good works, speaking in tongues, the practice of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that they are earning salvation for themselves. But salvation is a gift of God. That which Christ has done, we can accept the word in the format in which it is in. We need to accept this justification and then practice righteousness. Not to do something in order to become righteous, but to accept justification as a gift by grace according to the redemption of Christ so that we can practice righteousness. You will say, well, I don't feel who said that you're supposed to feel that you're righteous? This is information. You ought to know that you are righteous. When you accept justification as a gift of grace, you are righteous. God views you as righteous. Abraham believed God and he imputed this to him as righteousness. And now he says, Abraham, practice righteousness. What is righteousness comprised of? Is to consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God and call the inexistent power and perishability as existent. This is what it means to practice righteousness. And only he who is righteous can practice righteousness and he who is holy can be sanctified. It is impossible to become righteous and holy by doing some kind of works. Because righteous and holy we become according to our origin, according to our birth from the holy and righteous God. You are righteous, brother. You are holy. Well, no, I am only strive to this, he says. Are you born of God? Yes, he says, I am born of God. I say to him, well, then how can the holy and righteous God, how could he have given birth to a sinner like you? What? Does God give birth to sinners? You are righteous. You have a new man. He is righteous. Yes, he lives in your body. That is perishable. Yes, there is reigning sin in it. But this does not belong to you. These are your enemies. You now are called to save your soul and your body. You are righteous. Practice righteousness. In practice, the essence of observance of the commandments of Christ to test, am I truly observing the commandments of Christ, should be tested by our good conscience that does not condemn us, because we submit our faith to the faith of God and love one another as He commanded us through His holy apostles. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth. How? And shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. 
Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, this is talking about our conscience, we have accepted in it the Word of God, the truth. And if we do not violate this truth, then our conscience is not going to condemn us. And Scripture says, then we have boldness toward God. And whatever we ask, we, whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. And He gave us, as He gave us commandment, that He who keeps His commandments abides in Him and he in him and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us by spirit that he has given us what is the spirit to jesus come the disciples they say to him uh, we have met others that they um they do wonders and signs we forbid them and christ said to them you do not know of what spirit you are. You are not of the same spirit. What are you doing? Your spirit ought to be different. Those people who love me and who do something truly in my name, because today, false charismatics churches, they do not cast out demons, but they cast in demons. There was no demon in this person, and they say, well, you have the spirit of adultery, and we're going to cast him out. As soon as a person agrees that he has a spirit of adultery in him, then all of a sudden, this spirit has the right to control this person from the outside. And then he is prayed over, and they say, and they, he's told, spit him out, and he spits him out, and he, and he is told, that's it, you are freed from the spirit. What kind of foolishness is this? A person who has been repented, who has been born of God, baptized uh, in the Holy Spirit, and who having an unclean spirit him, a spirit of adultery? Do you know who is the father of this sermon? This is one of the generals of God who was worshipped by others. This is he who said, he said, I spoke in tongues, but sometimes I had foam from my mouth, I was tossed to and fro, and I saw that in me lived this unclean spirit, and in this manner I had to cast him out. And people had accepted this, but in Scripture, this is written, Christ said, in one house there can't live two kings. There can't live two people. They are not going to coexist. They are going to fight until one of them takes this right as a, as a, as a firstborn. And so, by keeping the commandments of the Lord and love toward one another, we place ourselves in Christ and give Him the basis to dwell in us. Because... We fulfill the commandments in love toward one another, and this is possible only in that congregation that has the status of a good wife, having the status of narrow gates. Not in every church do people love one another. Usually, people love some kind of group of people. And with this group of people, they communicate. A lot of churches, most churches, are separated by relative clans. I grew up in this kind of church. I know what I'm talking about. I, from my childhood, I grew up in the church and I saw how people communicate with one another. I grew and my heart was in dismay when I saw these clans and when some others wanted to be found, but no, they weren't invited. All, all the groups wanted to have me as a guest in their home and they always invited me. They would say, come to supper. But uh, I always invited those people whom no one else invited. And I said, well, 
I have this person, this person, that person as a guest. I can't come to your house. And, and I was told, well, then go with your tales. They were ready to accept those people whom they have never accepted from me. But those people were extremely grateful and happy that they were in this privileged midst because that's what they were counted as. And I think those that grew up in the church, they knew, they know what I'm referring to. This is not love toward one another. Love toward one another is when there is love for all. When you see... Yes, a person might not have the same gifts as you. He has different intellectual capabilities. And then you begin to stoop down to his level and help him. And this is very important. Thus, by observing the word in the format of the commandments of God, defining the format of our communication with God and one another, we should judge of the fact that truly the love of God is perfected in us and from which we know that we are in him. Whoever keeps his word truly, the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. 1 John 2, 5. Observing the word of God in the format of the commandments of Christ, we can know that the love of that the love that God has for us and can be affirmed in this love, because God is love, and he who abides in his love abides in God, and God abides in him. And we know, we have known and believed that the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. 1 John 4, 16. This is not an emotion, we should note. This is information, a discipline that leads the emotion after itself. Because our soul can ignore this person, and he might we might not like him. But true love, it is contained in the information, the commandments. says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And when we keep the commandments we begin to discipline our emotion, our soul, and lead it after ourselves. One time, two times, and then we get used to this. I have learned this, and I, I can invite any kind of person and have communication with any kind of person. Fourth, the sign according to which we should test that we are showing in our faith the love of God that flows from brotherly love should be tested by the presence of just boldness in the day of judgment when God weighs us on his scales of justice. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. 1 John 4.17 So the day of judgment is a time when God weighs us. It is a day of harvest. We have not... Not we will have, but we have. Each person has his time for harvest and judgment when God begins to weigh him on the scales of justice. And when God begins to weigh him, this is the tests that are sent to us in which we will see ourselves. Are we in Christ? Are we in faith? Or are we not in faith? And when we see that in these trials, among our losses and gains, we remain in peace with God and God with us, then we understand that love has reached this perfection. As we know, boldness, what is boldness? Boldness reaches a kind of perfection. So the perfection of love is expressed in the presence of boldness. Boldness is the legal right to the power to enter the sanctuary 
through the truth that is contained in our heart in the blood of the cross of Christ. Let us read, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us, through the veil, that is, His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, so through the veil, through His flesh, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. We must understand one thing very well. We cannot with boldness enter into the sanctuary until we take off the old man with his works. Only the priests and kings can enter there and prophets. Only when a person leaves infancy in which he was swayed and stumbled by all kinds of winds of teachings when he dies to his nation to the house of his father just as rebecca had done and when she said i will come with you and she left her corrupt of her soul only then can this person have boldness on the basis of the cross and the blood the blood can cleanse us only after the cross fulfills its work because the cross separates us from the manufacturer of sin and the blood cleanses us from the sin that has been committed these are two different things two different functions first to test ourselves for just boldness should be done according to the initial truth hidden in our heart that will not condemn us in our thoughts words and actions beloved if our heart does not condemn us we have boldness toward God 1 John 3.21 Oftentimes, it is not our heart that condemns us, but the accuser, Satan, the old man. This is so that we understand correctly. He says, you have this, you have that. You must know that this is not your heart. This is the accuser. When I have accepted Christ in my heart and have placed myself in Christ in the face of a good wife, when I am found in the body, then God views me in Christ Jesus. Not as I am, but as Christ is. He sees not me in this moment, but He sees Christ, and He sees me as He sees Christ. When I do the same, and when I understand, when I accept that which is in the eyes of God, when I say that I have died to sin, oh, and in fact, maybe I have not died, but Scripture says, consider that you have died. Consider that you have died. Well, Lord, I don't have this or that yet. Well, you don't pay attention to this. You proclaim that you do have this, call the inexistent as existent. Accept my point of view, because I've already done all of this for you in Christ Jesus. I have already paid the price for you, and I have placed all the promises on your account. But in order for you to take these promises, you need to consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God, and you need to proclaim and confess these promises that are inexistent as existent. Second, to test ourselves for just boldness should be done according to our dwelling in Christ, which should be tested by the fruit of righteousness. And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He appears, we may have boldness and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of Him. And righteousness is when I lead my emotions after me. I, have, I proclaim the commandments. The commandments tell me to do this, and I do it. My feelings tell me something on the contrary. 
but I am not based on my emotions. You think that it was pleasant for Christ to die on the cross, to give his body up, to be spit on, to be hit? You think he was pleased by this? No, but he, fu he fulfilled the commandment. And by the fulfillment of the commandment, he showed that he loved his Father. Same thing here. We must understand these things well, that we live according to the information and not that which we feel. Third, to test ourselves for just boldness should it be done through the testing of our service to one another. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 3.13 And this is the sign of the perfection and love. Love reaches such a perfection that we have boldness. And here it is said that those who have served well obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So those who serve well one another. Fourth, to test ourselves for just boldness should be done according to the rejoicing of our trust in God and His Word. If we, upon our losses and our gains, boast of God and rejoice in His Word and trust in His Word, this means that we have this love of God and we have this boldness. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the boldness and the rejoicing of the trust, firm to the end. If we, the boldness and trust that we have, the right to enter into the sanctuary and the fact that we can trust in God and His Word, this is what we boast of. We do not boast or rejoice over riches, our capabilities, our mind, but we boast that we have boldness and trust. Fifth, the sign according to which we should test that we are showing in our faith the love of God that flows from brotherly love should be tested by the presence of our hatred toward the figments of men which will be equal to the level of our love for the law of God. I hate the figments of men, but I love your law. Under the figments of men, we mean the interpretation of truths that are contained in Scripture with the power of intellectual capabilities that are not renewed by the spirit of our mind. David despised these figments when carnal people tried to preach the law. An attempt to interpret Scripture with the mind is an attempt to place our mind equal to the mind of the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have set your heart as the heart of a God, because you have taken your Bible and you, reading it, can understand it, you must know that you can't understand it with your own mind. I have opened the Bible while being a young uh, person. I said, before I begin to read, I said, Lord, this is your word. I can't understand it with my own mind unless you reveal it. No one taught me how to do this. I don't know where I got this from. Perhaps from some kind of inner potential in me. Because from my early childhood, I read a lot. I could read the Bible over a month and a half or in a month. I read it. I could read five, six hours, and the remaining time, I uh, I read it, and I had learned it, and memorized it, and I s realized that I couldn't understand, and when I received understanding, it didn't come from the mind, because I said, Lord, I'm going to read right now, but unless you reveal it to me, I won't understand it. 
when people humble themselves in such a way, do not place their own mind, or not rely on their own mind, then God, not right away, but over time, He begins to grow in this person relations with His wisdom and His heart. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have set because you have set your mind as the mind of a God, behold, therefore, I will bring strangers against you, the most terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom and defy your splendor. They shall throw you down into the pit, and you shall die the death of the slain in the midst of the seas. Ezekiel 28, 6-8 This wisdom, this beauty of this wisdom, God will not destroy His wisdom, but He destroys the wisdom of wise men that is contained in their figments. The laws of God presented in the decrees, statutes, proverbs, parables, and instructions is the surest prophetic word that was spoken by the holy men of God, moved by the Holy Spirit. And therefore, they can be interpreted only by such people who are led by the Holy Spirit and are the mouth of God. And so, writes Apostle Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19-21, through 21, we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. So when we turn to this lamp and we say, Lord, I won't understand unless you explain it to me, we prepare our heart to hearing and we say, Lord, I am coming to church, but... If you do not give me wisdom to understand that which is going to be spoken, this is going to be wisdom in doing this. And not everyone can understand, but only those who prepare their heart to hearing the word of God. And it is said here that until the light shines in a dark place, until the day dawns, a morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. It is impossible with your own mind to interpret Scripture. Why? For prophecy never came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were, were moved by the Holy Spirit. When David said that he hates lies and abhors them, but loves the law of God, he meant that he hates the interpretation of the scribes and Pharisees who, not being Levites in their spirit, claimed the Levitical ministry and that instead of being disciples, they inspected the Levites appointed by God to teach the people his law. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. Only the Levites could interpret the law. God gave them wisdom, but the scribes and Pharisees are those who came from every tribe. And they had such a spiritual authority that they completely trampled on the Levites. You see, uh, Levites did not resist Christ. It was the scribes and Pharisees that resisted. And they are those people that were not Levites and do not have the right to interpret the law and to teach it. Despite his origin from the tribe of Judah, David could teach Israel the law of God since God made him a high priest and a prophet from whose seed Christ was born. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Revelation 22:16. Love toward the law of God is called to express itself in meditations of the law of God all day. While until our mind um, slumbers or falls asleep. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You usually think about that which you love, that which has captivated you. 
This is what you're going to walk in and ponder upon. Meditating over the law of God all the day is defined by spiritual thoughts that serve as evidence of the seal of God and the foreheads of God's chosen remnant. Whereas fleshly thoughts serve as evidence of the seal of the fallen cherubim on the foreheads of people who contend for the Levitical ministry and inheritance with the saints. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Here the Holy Spirit uncovers the seal of, or the mark of the beast and the seal of the living God. The mark of the beast is fleshly thinking, and the seal of God are spiritual thoughts. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enemy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It follows from this that love for the law of God and for material values is not only incompatible, but also criminal, since love for the law of God determines our worship of God in spirit and in truth. Whereas love for material values defines our worship of the demonic prince Mammon. And I love your commandments more than gold, yes, than fine gold. So, a person had such a gold that he had tons of it, tons of gold. No one had as much gold as David had, as much he gained, and he prepared all of this for the temple of God. Love for the law of God, which reveals itself in meditation over the law of God throughout the day, will give us the right to turn to the mercy of God so that He will erect in our body the power and perishability. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. Bring me out of death. Resurrect me. Destroy the power of death in my body and erect the power of life. Here he says, revive me. David, are you dead? What do you mean, revive? Are you found in death? Well, of course in death, because if in my body there lives reigning sin, where am I? And therefore he says, Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. And God gave him this life. He gave him this promise, and he had accepted it. The sixth sign, according to which we should test, that we are showing in our faith the love of God that flows from brotherly love, should be tested by the presence of the obedience of our faith to the faith of God in the words of the messengers of God preached to us. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The words death and life found in the power of our tongue or in the power of our choice should be viewed in the words evil and love. Having chosen evil, comprised of disobedience to the words and the lips of the messengers of God, we become evil people who carry out from the treasury of their heart their own understanding of good and evil, which will be idle words with which we will condemn ourselves to eternal perdition. Each time when all of a sudden we don't understand something and when we begin to condemn or judge the messengers of God, we carry out evil from our hearts in this moment. We have not submitted to God in this moment. And having selected good in obedience to the word of the messenger of God, we become good people who will carry out good from the treasury of their heart, which will be the proclamation of the faith of our heart 
that we will be justified with in the day of judgment when God weighs us on the scales of His justice. A good man of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, so whatever word that is not in the heart, it is in scripture, but it is not in heart, this is an idle word, they will give account of it in the day of judgment, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. The words that come from the faith of the heart will justify us, and the words that come from Scripture that are not in our heart are going to condemn us. Seventh, the sign according to which we should test that we are showing in our faith the love of God that flows from brotherly love should be tested according to our love for God who gave birth to us by the resurrection of Christ and also according to our love to those who are born of God. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. First John 5 1 According to this definition to test ourselves for our birth from God should be done according to our love for one another. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And we're referring to a kind of love of God that is comprised of information about the commandments of the Lord accepted by us of the preached word of the messengers of God, which is not controlled by our emotional horse, but leads it after itself. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you the eighth sign according to which we should judge or test that we are showing in our faith the love of God that flows from brotherly love should be tested by our ability to cover the sins committed against us by those who are born of God in our congregations those who are born of God in our congregations. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. So here, this is to cover sins. This is referring to the sins of the saints that are in our church. Because you do not communicate with saints in other churches, because they, therefore they can't sin against you. Only those in our congregations can sin against us. First, to cover the sins of those born of God committed against us means to have mercy and forgive them and show them compassion on our end. For if you give men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Second, to cover the sins of those born of God committed against us means to not be based on our relations with them according to their past, Remembering that at one time when Jesus reclined in the house of Matthew the tax collector, many tax collectors and sinners came and reclined with him and his disciples. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Who does your teacher eat with? Or why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
So, when we are based in relations with people, when we are based on their past, then we act as these Pharisees who do not have anything to do with the Levitical ministry. He says, go and learn that I desire mercy and not, not sacrifice. Because they came to this church, then we must act toward them just as Christ acted towards the tax collectors and sinners and inviting them at their table and ate and drank with them. Third, to cover the sins of those born of God committed against us means that if any of them depart from the truth and we turn them back from the false path, we will save our soul from death and a multitude of our sins will be covered. Brethren, if any one among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. James 5, 19-20 So if we forgive the sins of those, uh, the people of God, and we turn them away from their sins, then God forgives our sins. Fourth, to cover the sins of those born of God committed against us means for children to be obedient to their parents and the Lord in all, and for fathers to not provoke their children. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Colossians 3, 20-21 To provoke children is to say, Son, you can't smoke, but son, the son sees how his, how his father is smoking in secret or drinking in secret. And when you say, Son, don't lie, and then the parent, him, the, he sees that the parent himself is acting and behaving towards the mother, and children are then therefore provoked because he says one thing yet does another he says do not provoke your children and to parents he says to children he says obey your parents in all things in the Lord for this is well pleasing to the Lord if your parents say that which is against scripture do not obey them children obey your parents in the Lord outside of the Lord we ought not to submit or obey for this is right honor your father and mother if they are in the Lord but if they are not in the Lord Allow the dead to bury the dead. But if they are in the Lord, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Let us bend our knees and bow our heads in prayer. And all those that desire to challenge reigning sin in their body, to challenge all fears that can present in your hearts right now regarding those events that are happening in nature, in the world, in politics. I invite you here to the altar for you to prepare your hearts to the great participation to the blood of the blood of Christ and the cross of Christ so that the blood of Christ and the cross of Christ can transform can transform you to destroy your viruses and illnesses and raise up the power of imperishability. Amen. We wait for you at the altar.
I will pray with your prayer along with you and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you, He loves you. Your eyes closed as an element of a mystery room, your hands raised to the heavens, a sign that your hands are without wrath and doubt. Pray with me, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. I come to you. I uncover my wounded heart. You see that it is wounded by sin that I despise, but from which I have not been able to escape. I ask you, forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Heal me. I believe in your word in the power of your Holy Spirit, I uncover my heart. I invite you to enter it and to be the king and ruler of my life. I accept my healing. I accept my freedom from sin. I accept my justification. I accept the power and perishability for my body. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that according to your word, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, I am saved. Your sins are forgiven you and your transgressions in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he come down upon you with his holy countenance and may have mercy upon you and give you peace. May around you fall thousands and tens of thousands around you, but not draw near you. May all of the blessings of the ancient hills and everlasting mountains come upon you. May all of this come upon you and your descendants and may be fulfilled upon you. And let the nation say, Amen. Let the Lord affirm justification, the justification and healing in your hearts, in your body. And may He make you immovable and ready to partake in this great mystery. We are at the earthly shore. There beyond the river, we see a new life, a life that is eternal and holy.
Let us listen to the next word of God, the mystery, standing, this mystery that is impossible to comprehend with the mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged, but when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. To unworthily partake means to ignore the redemption and the work of Christ and to try to earn righteousness or justification with works. If you have accepted justification as a gift of grace, the redemption in Christ Jesus, and you practice righteousness in the fact that you consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God, and you call the non-existent power and perishability in your body as existent, you are going to worthily partake of this right now. Now you may be seated. The row that is approached will stand and let us first pray. And I will ask you all to get up again. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for the body that is broken. When it comes to the rows of your people, we are going to eat of it. May every illness be curse in our body and may your glory according to your mercy be revealed in us we thank you for your broken body and we bow down before it almighty god father son and holy spirit amen and he took it broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you please sit and the row that is approached shall stand each one breaks apart himself because breaking apart is a sign a sign of the fact that you have been humbled before the Lord, a sign of the acceptance of the fact that it was your sins that had broke his body. For each time you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
The Holy Spirit takes the word of God that we hear and in this triumphant quietness, this joyful quietness, He fulfills His work. For each time you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. And each of us is familiar that during Passover, after the lamb was pierced, he was eaten on the Temple Mountain. People returned to supper, and there were songs that were sung there. One of them that was sung, and this Passover supper is Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. There was a melody that was present, and this song was in the format of a verse. It had a rhythm. In the translation, it lost this format, and the melody is unknown to us. But I believe that when we ponder upon this word and understand its value, the Holy Spirit produces this melody in the Spirit. All the Psalms of David, they were written specifically in the format of, of, of a poem. But in order to translate something, it is necessary to be second David in order to, to translate it, his verses, his poetry on some kind of other language. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, meaning he does not have fellowship with the wicked, with the ungodly. He does not share in fellowship with them because people say, well, I don't go to this council, but you give your hand to the wicked to shake it. This is the same. This is referring to do not have fellowship with the, with the ungodly. Blessed is the man who does not stand in the path of sinners. There is the path of righteousness and the path of sin nor sits in the seat of the scornful. The scornful is when people gather after church with one another and they begin, instead of talking about the great works of God, they speak of some kind of other things. The anger of God will come upon them for this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever, whatever he does, he shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let us stand and pray for the cup about the cup heavenly father in the name of jesus christ i thank you for the new cup of testimony that is poured out for the restoration of many sins when it goes across the rows of your people and we drink of it may every illness be cursed and every illness be cursed in our body and may your saints endure the grace of healing in their bodies we thank you for it, and we bow down before it. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Please sit. The road that is approached may stand. 
And just as you helped one another in the breaking of bread, serve one another in the acceptance of the cup. The cup is Christ, who has died for us. That's why it is one for all ages. For each time you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Psalms 18. This is all also one of the psalms that was sung on the Passover night, Passover supper. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, who spoke these words to the Lord when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul when he delivered him from his old man and from that soul from the fleshly mind and he said I will love you O Lord my strength the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer my God my rock of Israel in whom I will trust my shield and the horn of my salvation my stronghold I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so shall I be saved from my enemies the pangs of death surrounded me and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid so here he talks about his inner state the pangs of death surrounded me and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid this song was sung in distress when he took off the old man in my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God he heard my voice from his temple and my cry came before him even to his ears and the earth shook and trembled the foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken because he was angry smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth coals were kindled by it he bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet and he rode upon a cherub and flew he flew upon the wings of the wind the cherubs the cherubs is the proclamation holiness when we proclaim God is going to fly on these winds of faith and he rode upon a cherub he made darkness his secret place his canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies the Lord thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered his voice hailstones and coals of fire he sent out his arrows and scattered the foe lightnings in abundance and he vanquished them he sent from above he took me and he drew me out of many waters if anyone has been missed please stand if not I will ask you all to stand and we are going to proclaim our energy manifestation now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with an unblemished joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now 
and forever. Amen.